Anyone else feel like it just sort of snuck up on us that like today is Palm Sunday? Some of you, some of you feel that a little bit? Uh, yes, it is. It is early-ish again, if you think about it, roll. Easter this year, Easter comes either the first Sunday of April or even into March. It is early. It does feel like it. But again, it's been a crazy year. We all know that. We say before he would go to the cross, before he would, he would die and be buried, and then before, of course, the resurrection, Holy Week. It's interesting. Um, there is a disproportionate amount of space in the Gospels. In some cases, it's like 30 to 40% devoted to that week, years of ministry. You've got a couple, Matthew and Luke, that give us a little bit, of course, of the birth, but, but basically it's the three years of ministry, and 30 to 40% covers counts with a prolonged introduction. Passion Week accounts with a prolonged introduction. Well, this afternoon, as we think a little bit about triumphal entry, maybe you know it by that, uh, we are going to see that Jesus, he's a king, a king. But he's not just a king, he's, he's our king. And what we're going to do, I think it says there on the screen, we, we want to see this helps you launch into the week, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So in order, though, to celebrate him as king, we need to know first what kind of king, six ways, six things that mark him as a king, and then three ways we can celebrate. So if you are good with math, six plus three makes nine, a nine-point sermon on this beautiful afternoon. But don't worry, I've got a timer telling me where I'm supposed to be. Well, we heard the passage read already to uh, to us, for us, by Jenny, um, but we're going to be in Matthew 21. So if you haven't already open there, Matthew 21, Jesus, he's the sovereign king. That's the first thing we learn about him. He is the sovereign king. Now, that word doesn't show up, but let's look at verses 1 to 3, and we'll see that he is the sovereign Him and his closest followers, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples and a colt with her. Untie them, bring them to me, and if anyone says to you anything, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them. We can see this about him is because he is in complete control of everything that is happening. He is in complete control. Just as later in the week, we're going to learn, if, if you follow us, has prepared already his final Passover meal. He's in complete control here. Now, whether or not he is in control, he's sovereign. And we see this with those items, but then plainly we see it where he refers to himself as the Lord. We can kind of take that for granted. Lord needs them. For Jesus to ascribe to himself that title, the Lord, is him making it clear who he is. Their ears would have known that's, that's control. It's also no mere coincidence that this is all taking place in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. Jerusalem in Psalm 48 verse 2 is called the city of the Take a guess. We're celebrating the king, and this is the first thing we see about him as a king. So Jerusalem is the city of the great... There it is, yeah. Five. It's on me, it's on me. I'm rusty. Psalm, uh, earlier on in Matthew's account, we, we see that in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We're, uh, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount. We'll return to Sermon on the Mount. But even there, Jesus refers to Jerusalem as the city of the great king. 
It was the center of Israel's religious life, and great anointed one would, would come. So he is the sovereign king. He is orchestrating everything. Don't miss that. Paul Tripp, a little book, a wonderful pastor, preacher, season here leading up to Easter, and he writes this about this passage. Jesus is not caught up in the moment, but rather motivated by an ancient and doing these specific things. His heart is not moved by popular acclaim, but by the with the Spirit of Father. What he does and what an active obedience. Jesus is in complete control, sovereignly orchestrating everything from the two animals to this room, all of it. The room that's coming. He is Jesus, the sovereign king. He's also the prophesied king. So number two, the prophesied king. Look down at verses four through seven. So now we, we, we read this, prophet, and this is quoting from, from Zechariah, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble, mounted on a donkey, as Jesus had to roll of a beast of burden, donkey and the colt, and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Jesus chose, it was delivered, one scholar calls Jesus here knows the scriptures. He knows this prophecy from Zechariah. And as Matthew specifies, Jesus' entrance on this day some 2,000 years ago into Jerusalem fulfilled something written 500 years before. Now I'm reading from Zechariah. Rejoice was in, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Jesus' action is declaration to his closest followers and to anyone else watching that he is the prophesied king. That prophecy said also could have been looting way back into Genesis chapter 49 verses 8 to 12 where Jacob, way back there, Jacob prophesied about a kingly descent in the line of Jacob. And it said that this, this, of course, comes from the rule that will extend to the nations. So Jesus is sovereign king. He's in complete control, orchestrating everything. Zechariah also helps us see numbers three and four. Remember I said we got six things about him as king? Well, three and four are found here in Zechariah. He's a righteous king, and he's the savior king. O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Righteous. He, he, in fact, again, there's an allusion here that not only is he the king, but he's the, the prophesied priest, the, 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 the one and only final priest um, who, who offered Savior for them. And so the crowds, they, they pick up on this. They, they start to have their connections too, and they start shouting out that, that word we sang already, Hosanna, which again means sign. Most of the crowd, they spread their cloaks on the road, and other, others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him, they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he. In the ancient world, a triumphal entry sort of like this was, was roughly similar to what we might think of when our team wins the championship and there's a victory pass who would have parades and base for baseball. Of course, the Warriors have had just their fair share of championships. The Niners have, and they'll have it again too. So when, when your team has this parade, well, this is kind of what's going on. Jesus is coming in, and they are purely worship. They, they have a political hope and agenda going on as well. You see, they put cloaks on the road, 
Uh, this, again, would be a symbol of uh, see there. But the palm branches, I was thinking about it today. I was on the freeway with a couple of the kids. We were headed uh, south, and I looked over, and I saw the in and out palm trees, and then I kind of kept looking and could see other palm trees, sunshine and all of that. But for the people then, it was a symbol of Jewish nationalism. It was a symbol of, of Jewish nationalism and, and victory. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Even the king is going to come in and overturn Rome. They are being subjugated by Rome, uh, and they have this expectation politically. Maybe this is it. Maybe he is the one. And we were told it was going to be. That's what they were hoping for. They had in their past memory as well from other victories, other, other prominent victories. Again, the palm branches as, again, this symbol of their enemy, uh, of their symbol of tabernacles. And then this word Hosanna, we've already talked about it. It comes from Psalm 118.25, Greg read so for us. It means save us. David, right? Now they're pulling that in. That's a reference again to the promised messianic deliverer from the line of David, who, according to 2 Samuel 7, whose kingdom will continue forever. Kingdom. The line of David, King David, his pageant of kids would continue forever. And doing a Palm Sunday, Sunday school march, like maybe some of us have in our past or have in mind, um, or loaded with, with meaning. They wanted Rome out. They wanted Jesus to come and save them from Rome. Again, Paul Tripp, he's such a master with words. Yes, he is king. He's the king. He is the final sacrifice for sin. And he did it with joy that was un but as a lamb. Because Jesus knew where he was going at the end of the week. Look down at verses 10 and 11. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city off at Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So you've got to imagine there's crowds in Jerusalem. You've got Jesus and his closest followers, but then others. And this, this parade sort of builds. He's that prophet from Nazareth. Let me read a, a lengthy, helpful summary from famous commentator R.T. France. He says this, The disciples, the arrival into this crowd that were with him, their shouts in verse 9 made no secret of their belief that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah of Jerusalem to set up his reign. And the whole city was stirred, not with enthusiasm, but with concern. Who is this? Jesus was to them an unknown countryman, little better than a foreigner from that remote northern province, kind of like Grayton, right? Just that, that little playing the claim of their prophet, right? Nazareth in Galilee. So again, this sets up this polarization of attitudes to Jesus, which during this week, because we know that's coming, would have some supporting Jesus. Just in several days, there's going to be people that are going to say, crucify him. And sometimes we pit, we pit them like, oh, it's the same people. Like, oh, on Sunday, they were all excited, but by the end of the week, they wanted him dead. Probably not. Galilee, but there's this other group that are confused at point. Some people did change their mind at week. So Jesus is the sovereign king, he's the prophesied king, he's the righteous and savior king. But we have two more things we learn if we jump to Luke's account. He's also the loving and peaceful in his account of this entry, Luke chapter 19, verses 41 and 42. 
And when he drew near and saw the city, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your... What's going on? But Luke zeroes in on what would happen to Jesus, and he sees them, and he weeps over Jerusalem. He, he, he weeps. Jesus wept over the multitudes and crowds. It says in another account that he looked out at the people because they were like sheep that didn't have a shepherd. He, it hurt him to see people. But he's also a peaceful king. Notice what Jesus says there in Luke 19.41. Would that you had known on this day that this idea, of not just of an absence of conflict, but, but of, of a true peaceful state even when there's turmoil, to be, to be at shalom with God. You see, back to Zechariah 9, the next verse, verse 10, Zechariah 9.10, it says that the promised king, the promised Messiah, Jesus, one of the things I've been struck by recently, um, often he, he comes and he, he goes somewhere and then it says, and he said to them, I need to go over here because I need to preach to them. That's why I've come. Like, I'm not just here to be a miracle worker and to do stuff, although those, he had to go to other places to, to tell, to preach. And part of his preaching was that, that he brings peace to the nations. He brings, in Matthew 20, right, the chapter right before this, so this is just now days or even maybe the day before, Matthew 20, 28, it says, Jesus, speaking of what Jesus said, the Son of Man came. We sang that just a moment ago in how deep the love the Father, how deep the Father's love for us. The peace that Jesus spoke included the fact that form of truth, now we all get to have our truth and you have your truth and I have my truth, but but. But the truth, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. No one comes to the Father but through, through Jesus. Would that you, he said, know the things that make for peace. Would, would you know me? Peace, ultimately peace with God. And they didn't fully get it, of course, because they would crucify him. They would turn, some would turn, and others, of course, would say, no, we have no the king. He's the king. He's a sovereign, prophesied, righteous, savior, loving, and peaceful king. So we're to celebrate him today in this. So three, three final ways to celebrate him as king. Number one, the first, is to understand who he is as king. Well, that's kind of what we just looked at rather quickly. If we're going to sell this, think, think of the difference for a minute between cooking and, and if you cook something in the micro quick, right, which is sort of instantaneous, you know, 30 or the slow cooker and putting everything in cold, sometimes frozen, plugging that thing in, covering it and just leaving it all day or maybe overnight. I, I want you, church, this week to take not the microwave approach, as great as microwaves are, as great as it, that's good a smartphone or computer ask you to take the slow cooker approach. It's, it's Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. Good Friday is coming. And spend. Resurrection Sunday is in a week. Maybe Matthew. Start right here. Matthew 21. You can just put your little, whatever these things are called, on your Bible if you've got a real Bible, and, and just pick up and just read every day what happened in the life of Jesus that there's plans related to Holy Week and 
but but you, but but go in slowly. Go in is as king, and and part of the reason is we need this. We we have had just in this last week shootings, uh, natural disasters in the south. These hurricanes just affect horribly. I mean, it's it's unless you pay attention, you kind of don't realize, right? When we're sometimes wonder, does the rest of the country know? So I I think you know, I think you know. Boy, there's been bad things in Colorado. Then there is bad things in Atlanta. Again, the, the sickness, the health issues, the hurt, the relational turmoil. That, that doesn't go away. But we have a loving, and he's peaceful. He, he's a, the king who cares. So understand who he is, and let, let who he is and what the scriptures say point that the world needs this king that we are to celebrate. So how do we celebrate him as king? We understand who he is. Number two, corporately as a church, praise. And we're going to do it next Sunday on Resurrection Sunday. So let's do it together, but would you praise him individually and just be aware to say, point, you're going to are the king and, and I love you and I give you thanks and praise and, 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 and live that way. Make it a choice. Sometimes it's hard. You know, life can be very difficult. It's God. But a lot of times our emotions will catch up. And it doesn't mean we're doing jumping jacks in the can-can Praise doesn't have to be loud, you know, extravagant. It can be from deep, which a lot of us live with. That's life. There's sorrows, but we can praise, we can rejoice. So let's give him praise. And then number three, as king. If, if, if he's the king, we need to bow down before him, like literally, but, but figuratively, because he's not walking right. That means... We need to surrender, but I want to invite us to do it gladly. There was a song written maybe four or five years ago now by, uh, let me read part of the words for a minute. I tried to fit you in the walls inside my mind. I tried to keep you safely in between the lines. You down, so we are eye to eye. When did I forget that you've always right out of the hands of the king of the world. How could I make you so small when you're the one who holds it all? When did I forget that you've always been? whisper of your voice can tame the seas. So who am I to try to take the lead? Still, I run ahead and think I'm strong enough when you're that you've always been the king of the world. I appreciate honesty there, because that's all of us from time to time. We try to run ahead. We, we, to him. So church, we want to celebrate who Jesus is as king. In order to do that, we got to understand who he is. We have to give him praise. Just renew in your own heart, maybe, the desire for that as we head into this holy week. So we're going to pray. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing again, but I just want to give a few moments, and I'm right in line with what he wants? Or do you need to just spend a few quiet moments in confession, realigning, thinking again about him as the sovereign king, you know, the prophesied king, and so forth? But
celebrate you in Jesus' name. Help us to understand who you are, that you are sovereign, prophesied, you are the righteous, who you are as king. Help us, Father, to praise you when it's hard, when it's easy, to, to live in that tension, but to praise you and help us, Father, to surrender before you. Thank you that you are, again, loving and forgiving, and we can just say, Father, and I pray we would be getting ahead of King Jesus as a church family, as individuals, as individual family units, whatever it may be. May this Holy Week 2021 be a time we are transformed.